Mark 4, verses 1 to 20. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lake shore. There was such a large crowd along the shore that he got into a boat and sat down and spoke from there. He began to teach the people by telling many stories, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. (coughs) Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The plant sprang up quickly, but it soon wilted beneath the hot sun and died, because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. Other seed fell among thorns that shot up and choked out the tender blades, so that it produced no grain. Still other seed fell on fertile soil and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him, what do your stories mean? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secret about the kingdom of God. But I am using these stories to conceal everything about it from outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. They see what I do, but they don't perceive its meaning. They hear my words, but they don't understand, so they will not turn from their sins and be forgiven. But if you can't understand this story, how will you understand all the others I'm going to tell? The farmer I talked about is the one who brings God's message to others. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the message but then Satan comes at once and takes it away from them. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. At first, they get along fine, but they wilt as soon as they have problems or are persecuted because they believe the word. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the good news, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for nice things. So no crop is produced. But the good soil represents those who hear and accept God's message and produce a huge harvest, 30 60 or even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Isn't God good? Isn't it wonderful? Wonderful worship. Thank you, Jude and the team. Let's just pin this so that you don't. Okay. I need someone like you around. In fact, I have. I've got Wendy, so she does exactly the same thing for me. (laughs) 
so it's lovely to be here um, this morning. Um, I, I was just, I was up last night, often I am up in the middle of the night with um, issues I've got in my back and things like that. And um, this isn't related to the message that I'm going to give, but um, I had the real sense of, um, of God just releasing faith among us. And um, I thought the words of the songs were wonderful, really good. They, they actually pick up a lot of what I want to talk about this morning. So it's wonderful when all that happens, everything sort of merges together and comes together in one. But faith is something that we, we need more of, isn't it? Uh, if you remember with Peter when he was called out onto the water, um, you know, if you stand on water, it, you sink, Okay, you don't stand and walk, but Jesus called him. And so the word of God, when it comes to us, we can do miraculous things. We can walk on water. We can see things happening in our lives that we never thought possible. And that's faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And um, it is something that the Lord wants to do in our lives because it's part of what this message is a little bit about as well. Because when God's word comes, the word is the seed and it's a powerful seed. And it comes and it's looking for the good soil. And what happens is when it receives the good soil, it actually multiplies. The kingdom is all about multiplication. It's not about a plus, uh, one plus two, uh, 1 plus 1 equals 2, which is just addition. It's 2 times 2 equals 4. It's, a, it's beyond what we think possible because that's our God and that's who we want to follow and be led by. Um, thank you for reading the passage, Stephen. Um, this is, a, this is the, a parable um, that was the first of the parables that Jesus gave and this parable is the is the one that's actually in all of the synoptic gospels so it's in Matthew Mark and Luke and it's the sort of foundation for all the other parables as well um, and I don't know about you the the, the, the the passage when you look at it sometimes this is what we think of when we think of a farmer this is our understanding of a farmer he goes on his tractor he has an onboard computer which actually, show, actually brings about sensors, the seeds, so he knows exactly how many seeds have been dropped. The furrows are, are, you know, are, are brought in line as they should be. Um, the fertilizer is brought in exactly the right point. But actually, when we go to the context of this parable, this is what it's more like. And this is how the people that were hearing the parable would have known about the the sower, the parable of the sower. This is what it would have all been like. And um, I don't know whether you recall those that were at the parade service, David spoke on the parable of the sower, and uh, he used a very good visual aid of popcorn, which went everywhere. (laughs) But I didn't do that because David cleaned it up, and I don't really want to have to clean it up. But it's a really good um, a way of being able to describe what it was like. And um, in the parable, we have um, these sort of elements that are described to us for the soil that Jesus is explaining when the seed is sown. 
because a seed just gets scattered everywhere. There's no discrimination. It's, he, he's obviously trying to get it onto the good soil. But it reminds us, doesn't it, of the fact that God's word comes to us, all of us. He doesn't just wait for us to have the good soil. He doesn't just wait. He wait he's actually providing his word to us all the time. And it's how we receive it in our hearts that is the key. So the rocky places and, um, were actually boundary lines between the different parcels of land that were owned. So when they talk about rocky places, we have fences to separate. They put rocks along it. And along those rocks, you would see thorns. And the thorns would grow up along the, uh, with the rocks. And then by the side of that, you would then get the path. So that's a sort of picture of, of what it would look like. And then you have the good soil, which has been tilled and, and um, ready for ploughed, ready for the, for the harvest. Um, in verse 8 of the passage that we read, it says this, Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30 some 60, and some 100 times. In fact, in the passage of Luke, Luke only mentions the crop multiplying 100 times. Um, and when I've looked up um, the whole thing of hundredfold, in Genesis 26, verse 12, they make a reference of Isaac, who planted a crop in the land, and the same year he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. So the whole aspect of hundredfold harvest is all to do with the blessing that God wants upon our lives. He wants to release that harvest in our lives. He wants our lives to multiply for him and for his, good, and for his glory. And it is all to do with our hearts. In fact, the hearers of the parable would have all been Jewish and we look at this, these verses now in Jeremiah, this, these may well have been uh, familiar to them um, when they were looking at the, the or listening to the parable of the sower. And I'll read it out to you. Jeremiah 4, 3 to 4. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or my wrath will flare up and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. Later on in Jeremiah 9, verse 26, it says that all the house of Israel are uncircumcised, of heart. And Paul also in Romans 2 verse 29 talks about circumcision of the heart and he says this, no, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is the circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people but from God. So, so to circumcise our hearts, um, circumcision is a removal of the flesh, as we all know. Um, and circumcision of the heart is removing our dependence 
on the flesh. It's coming to the Lord, it's looking to the Lord to to lead us, it's relying on the Holy Spirit. (coughs) Excuse me. It's not looking on our own ability and not for the praise of other people. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that produces the good soil in our hearts to receive God's word and to produce a hundredfold harvest. We're not to rely on ourselves, but on the Spirit to bring about the change in our hearts that is needed. We need the Holy Spirit to understand the Word. In Mark 4, I'm just going to read three verse, two verses, no, three verses, sorry, here, um, which are right in the middle of the psalm, of the parable, sorry. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those that are outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding, Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Jesus here is quoting from Isaiah 6, verse 9, and it's, it's the commission of Isaiah, where Isaiah was called to bring a prophetic word of judgment and of comfort to Israel. But I think the understanding, because it can seem a bit confusing, these verses, you're reading and you're thinking, does Jesus want people to understand or not? Does he really want them to to hear and to respond or not? And I think the key to this verse and to the parable is the word outside. It refers to those that are outside. And I think that the reason behind it, with these parables, Jesus used everyday things that people would see. So they'd come in contact with them all the time. So with the parable of the sower, they'd see the sower going and throwing seed around, and then they'd remember, ah, Jesus spoke about that. So it wouldn't wouldn't leave them. They would just be reminded of it. And it would probably spark their curiosity a little bit. Because what Jesus was wanting was for people to come from outside, inside. Inside the circle of his life for them to be able to see what he was doing, to hear what he was saying, to respond to him, and importantly, to ask him, what does that mean? Can you give us some understanding on that? And Jesus was wanting people to be drawn in to his life. And I've I've put down here, prepared soil, Holy Spirit understanding because we now have the Spirit of Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit, in us, so that we can understand. But it's an understanding that's not in our heads, understanding, it's understanding that comes through the Spirit, because our hearts have been circumcised. We're not relying on our flesh, we're relying on the Spirit and on what he wants to do and say through us. As it says in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, we do not lean on our own understanding, but we lean on him. In all, our, in all our ways we acknowledge him and he directs our path. There 
are different types of soil that Jesus refers to. I'll just go th- I'll, I'll just leave that part because we've read it already. But each of those soils, I think, relates to a question. And for the first one, the seed on the path, I think the question is, why did? And I think it's a question that often many of us will ask, and many people ask, who perhaps haven't actually come to Jesus at all. But the question is, why did it happen? Why did God allow that? Why? And by asking the why did, often we sort of harden our hearts and we don't understand that the Father loves us. We forget, we lose that. We, we lose that sense that God wants the best for us, that God wants to lead us. We, we ask the why, why did. And what it happens to our hearts, like Jesus mentioned, is that the path was hard. And our hearts can become hard when we ask the why did, why did, why did. It becomes, can become unyielding and unfruitful to his word that comes to us. The Lord wants us to be honest to him and come to him. But sometimes there can be underlying grief that we haven't dealt with and we've held that grief and we haven't resolved the grief in our lives. I've, I've experienced that for many years where you know, I, I found it difficult to let go. And in that, in itself, it can sort of create a hardening of the heart. Or it could be that actually we're directed to one another or to somebody that's hurt us. Why did that person do that? Why did that person do that? And we have unforgiveness in our hearts. And Jesus' message was very, very strong on forgiveness. It's not an easy thing to do, but his message, we cannot ignore how straight Jesus was about forgiveness. And if we don't, what happens is our hearts remain hard. And what happens is that we don't, have the harvest that the Lord wants for us. I've shared this story before, but I'll I'll mention it again about my father. Um, He died when I was 12 years old, and for the last six years of his life, he was in real serious pain. He had problems with his back. Um, And the way that he responded or reacted out of that was anger. And I didn't feel loved by him. Um, often I would feel that I was um, not quite up to, mar- up to the mark. All my brothers and sisters were a lot brighter than me. I was the one that he would look at and say, mm, you could have done a little bit better than on that, you know. I rem- remember going with my report that I had, and I thought, oh, this is great. I got all these high marks. And uh, he then said to me, well, you didn't do as well as this person. So next time... <laughs> So there was that sort of pressure that was there. And I lived with that for a while, not thinking anything of it, really, thinking that there was reasons behind why he reacted the way he reacted and how he responded because of the pain that he was in. But I was being prayed for once, and someone said, you need to recognize that that wasn't right, and you need to forgive him. 
So I forgave him and I didn't feel a thing. Three weeks later, I was in a meeting and the Holy Spirit came in power. And I just felt my heart being released and I shouted out at the top of my voice, I forgive you! So everyone could probably hear me thinking, what on earth is he on? But I was released in my emotions and I felt my heart just opening up to the Father who loves me and his kindness and his goodness towards me. We don't want to have seeds that are sown on path. We don't want our hearts to be hard. Whoops, go back. Seed on the rocky places. So the question here is, what can? What can I get out of this? It says that they received the word with joy, but when hardship came, persecution came, they fell away. I, Wendy and I have um, led house groups for a while, since, in our, since our sort of 20s, we've on and off, we've led house groups. And I remember there was one particular person that I was in our group and I wanted to sort of bring encouragement to him because he'd stopped coming to church. He, he, he wasn't really engaging in fellowship with anybody. And um, I went to him just to talk to him and find out how he was and to pray with him. And I was horrified when he said to me this. He said, um, I come to Jesus when I want something from him. I come to Jesus when I want something from him. He was the what can I person. And in some ways, we, I, I, was, I got angry actually. I was really angry inside thinking, how can you? Because you know, our what can I should be, should be really then turned around saying, what can I do for you, Jesus? Not what can you do do for me, but what can I do for you? But it's, it is, and actually with that particular person, I found out later that he did fall away. Um, uh, the roots weren't deep. He was in this rocky place and um, he was relying on the what can I get out of it. And we need to recognise and need to examine our own hearts at times to look at where our focus is. Is my focus on what can I get out of it? Because when things start getting tough, it's, it's hard. But Paul in Romans 5, he talks about uh, perseverance, suffering producing perseverance, perseverance then producing character. And so in hardships, Jesus can push through and bring us into a deeper walk with him, a closer walk with him. Seed in the thorns. So the question here is what if and what do? I'm, Wendy's a what if person, I'm a what do person. Okay. And so um, this is all related to worry. <laughs> So 
Wendy has, along with many of us, um, and I have it as well at times, but it's, it's a thing that she, she has that at times she can struggle with. Uh, what if this happens? And it's always the bad things that could potentially happen. Nothing is ever good. It's a, what if this happens? No, you try to work out the scenario. You go through your head of every possible thing that could happen. And it stifles the word, doesn't it? It's like thorns. But I'm a what-to person. So I, I've been awake at night with the what-to. And the what-to is, what do people think of me? What do they think of that? And I, I've, I've been up at night thinking that. Someone, someone told me early on in my Christian life, um, he was quite blunt, this person. He said, you've got a fear of man. And I thought, yeah. And he, and he was right. I have got a fear of man. And God's been working on that. But it, it, it sort of creates this worry. And obviously, that's not where the Lord, Lord wants us to be. He wants us to be in the place where we become fruitful. And it's not the right question. It's not the right question. Um, yeah, here we are. The seed in the thorns. The next question is, how can? So in this passage, as well as the thorns being worry, it was also, it was also to do with um, riches and seeking things. So th- this question is, um, how can I get more money? How can I get things? And we reverse the passage that Jesus gives us in, John, in Matthew 6, verse 33, where it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. And we reverse it around, and we seek all these other things, and we seek, and then we, we hope or expect, perhaps, that God will bring us the kingdom as well. <laughs> but it's not that way around. Jesus made it quite clear. We firstly seek first the kingdom. And this is, this is when I mentioned about faith. This is where faith steps in. We seek first the kingdom, even if we don't see it. We can't see ahead of us. It's not seeing, but we're believing in him. We're seeking first his kingdom, and then he will give all these other things to us. So the how can is the wrong question. So what is the right question? The right question is the what is and the where is. What is the Father saying? What is Holy Spirit doing? Where is God moving? We're looking forward. We're looking up. We're expecting God to lead us. Jesus said, my father is always at his work. And he also said, I only do what I see my father doing. And at times it can just feel like all these questions that keep coming up, our worries, the concerns that we have about how we're going to live tomorrow, have we got enough money, are we going to be able to survive? The questions of what can I get out of it? 
all those questions to look at ourselves and they look at the limitations of our own self. But God is so much bigger, isn't he, than that. He wants us to live in that place where we are always looking, always expecting, always trusting. I want to offer prayer for anybody that wants prayer for to receive more of the Holy Spirit because I do believe, as I mentioned earlier, the circumcision of the heart is where we rely on the Holy Spirit and not on our flesh and on the way that we feel things should happen or do, or do things the way we feel it's right. It relies on the Holy Spirit and on what he wants. And um, after our last song, I'd, I would love to um, be able to just pray for people if they would like prayer. But finally, I just want to read out a word that I, I got while I was preparing for this morning. I think it's a prophetic word for us, so I'll read it out. And if there's anything in your heart that responds, just, just use that opportunity now just to respond to it and say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I want that. Chris, Green Street Green Baptist Church is ready for revival. It is time to stir yourselves and make yourselves ready. Before I come, I need to have your hearts. I want to bring you into the abundance I have for you. Let me show you where I want to work. Allow me to work. It is time. There are places where I want to take you. I've given you my spirit and I want you to depend on me. Let my love keep you focused and secure. I will bring conviction and shower you with my love. Let me bring you into my embrace and I will move you on. Let the springs well up. Don't put any obstacles in the way. Allow me to lead and expect me to bring my salvation among you. My word is true and is active. Allow my word to take you into the depth of what I want for you. I am your father and you are my children. I am moving forward with my purposes and as I do, the enemy oppression will be lifted. Refresh yourself in me and allow me to work. A new day has come. I will lead and meet all your needs. And Green Street Green Baptist Church will become a lighthouse and a place of my spirit. Amen. Amen.